If you've not already done so, let me encourage you to take your Bible and to find 2 Kings chapter 6. And the passage that was just read to us is found verses 8 through 23. We're talking this morning about the broken, the blind, and the bold. The broken, the blind, and the bold. This is a story from the life of Elisha. Elisha was a prophet in the Old Testament. He served Israel, the northern kingdom, for nearly 60 years, sometime during the 9th century B.C. He was a protege of the prophet Elijah, and not to be confused with Elisha, uh, Elisha originally was a farmer, and so many of you will identify with him, farmed all his young adult life, and then one day was called by God to become a prophet like the prophet Elijah. He served, uh, during those 60 years, performed, I believe, more miracles than anybody else described in the Bible except Jesus Christ. And so he is a wonderful, exciting man of God. In this particular instance, as you saw in the text, he is surrounded by an enemy. He's at Dothan, which is a, a mound, a city on a mound, and uh, the, the land around it is relatively flat. There's nowhere to go except into the enemy, and he's surrounded by the enemy. And you know, it's very easy for you and I, in our culture, in North America, to feel like we are surrounded increasingly by an enemy. We know that hostility is rising. We know that to be a Christian just about in any aspect of our society is going to be challenged and sometimes looked down upon. And so we can have easily a sense that we are surrounded and about to be attacked by a desperate enemy. In the face of that, you and I can worry and fret. We can run and hide. We can attack and criticize those that oppose us. But Elisha shows us a better way. And I can't think of a better time than today as we think about going back to school than to look at the life of Elijah who was surrounded and how he responded to what was taking place in his life. So whether you're in a school classroom or in an office or out somewhere in the farm, uh, God has a word for you. There are at least three different kinds of people that you're going to encounter in life. Elisha understood this, and, and we learn from him how to respond to each one. In every walk of life, three kinds of people. The first one are the ones I'm going to call today, figuratively, the broken Syrians. Broken Syrians. The Syrians, for some time, have been raiding the northern kingdom of Israel. At this moment in Israel's history, they are a kingdom divided. There's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom of Judah. But in the north, up against this territory held by the king of Syria, uh, he is attacking them regularly. And Elisha's already had some interesting encounters with people from Syria. In the previous chapter, he's encountered Naaman. And Naaman was the general in charge of the entire army, the king of Syria. It's a great story. You ought to go and read it. I would nickname Naaman the Big Dipper. Um, you'd have to read it to understand that. But Syrians were raiding the northern kingdom of Israel, going in and out, um, and they worshipped idols. Now, broken Syrian... The way I want us to think about it today is simply someone who doesn't know God. A broken Syrian is someone who doesn't know God. And Elisha is surrounded by broken Syrians. 
And because they don't know God, I want you to see here how the Bible describes them and talks about them. There's several characteristics that we can see in this text. First of all, they're frustrated. They're frustrated. Look at verse 9. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. And then in verse 11 it says, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled. He's frustrated. He's trying to disrupt the northern kingdom. He's trying to capture the king of Israel. And every time he does it, he's unable to do it. Elisha, the prophet, receives insight miraculously from God that the Syrian army is about to do something, about to attack, about to capture the king of Israel. So he goes to the king of Israel, and he says, look, don't go here, don't go there. And, and every time that the king of Syria is trying to capture his enemy, he's frustrated. And this word that describes his frustration is the idea of being in a rage, a storm, a great destructive wind. Now, why is that? Because this king of Syria doesn't know God. And uh, the Bible tells us that when you were born, that you were born already with damage or brokenness built into your soul. We inherit that from previous generations all the way back to Adam and Eve, our first parents who sinned. And their relationship with God was broken. Their relationship with one another was broken. Their relationship within themselves, who they were on the inside, was broken. Everything about humanity was broken in the garden. And everything that you see people without Christ struggling with is a manifestation of that brokenness caused by sin. In the New Testament, we call it the flesh. And the flesh is that body of desires that wants no one to tell it what to do, wants to make its own decisions, and wants to satisfy itself no matter what the cost. And when those desires are frustrated, all kinds of reactions can occur. Now, this inner brokenness is handled by different ways, by different cultures. If you go out to the, the eastern uh, part of the world, where there are religions like Buddhism and, and others that practice extensive meditation, they try to get themselves to a place where they don't want anything. In other words, they, they meditate, they truly try to quench the desires that rage inside every human heart. And they try to silence the, uh, the battle that occurs inside every human soul. In the West, we just keep fighting for what we want. And if I can't get what I want, I'll try to medicate, not meditate, I'll try to medicate myself. I'll use drugs, I'll use entertainment, I'll use some method I can to, to escape the fact that I am dissatisfied on the inside. And that's where this Syrian king was. He was frustrated, could not get what he wanted. Well, not only is he frustrated, people without God are also resistant. Resistant. Look at verse 11. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. That I may send and get him. Now, when Elisha speaks... 
with the insight that God's given him, it's better than WikiLeaks. You know what WikiLeaks is? <laughs> he knows all the secrets. He's, he, he seems to know all the phone conversations, all the private activities and things that are going on in the king of Syria's life. He's like the ultimate spy, except it's not Elisha who's doing it, is it? It's God. God sees everything that you and I do, hears everything that you and I say, and knows everything that you and I are thinking. And he's simply revealing that to Elisha, and Elisha's telling that to the king of Israel. Now you would think the king of Syria, uh, being a king, would be smart enough to know that his problem was not with Elisha. His problem is with the God of Elisha. But he doesn't get it. And he really thinks that somehow he can put a stop to this. He can fight what God is doing. And so in, instead of arriving at the obvious conclusion that there's a God who's at work, he's resisting that notion. And listen, when you go to school, when you go to the classroom, when you go to the workplace, you're going to meet people who are frustrated and who are resisting God. They're seeing God do things around them, but they're closing their eyes and they're closing their minds. You can tell them that God answers prayer. They're not going to listen to you. They are resistant and they're broken. So broken Syrians are not only frustrated and resistant, but they are also adversarial. Adversarial. Look at verse 13. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now, why did he want to get Elisha? Well, this guy was exposing him all the time. This guy was, was frustrating him. This guy was keeping him from what he wanted to do. And when you get around broken Syrians, if you don't do what they do, if you don't act like they act, if you don't laugh at what they laugh at, if you don't join in to what they define as fun, if you don't, if you don't participate in their pleasures, they're going to be adversarial towards you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to make fun of you. They may even try to hurt you. But it's because they're broken. And you and I, as believers, need to recognize that they are broken. And uh, when they challenge us, when they try to humiliate you and me, when they put us on the spot and say, you really don't believe that Bible stuff, do you? And we have the opportunity to respond to them. How should we respond? Well, here's how believers should respond. Number one, do what Elisha did. Pray for God to arrest them. Pray for God to arrest them. I'm not talking about pulling them over for speeding. I'm talking about putting a stop, though, to what they're doing. Look at verse 18. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. Now, he didn't say that because he, he was mean, but they were about to do harm. They were about to do some terrible thing. And he said, Oh, God, stop them. Oh, God, don't let them keep doing this. Oh, God, capture them. Arrest them. Put a stop to this. Sometimes you and I see what's going on in the world, we just wring our hands. We complain, we gripe, we criticize. But have we prayed, oh God, make it stop. Arrest them, capture their attention. Do something, Lord, to turn them away from their sin. 
So Elisha asked God to stop them, slow them down. Second thing he did, guide those willing to listen. Guide those willing to listen. In verse 19, it says, Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And so after they were blind, they were terribly confused. They didn't know what to do next. Elisha walks out to these men. These are like the Navy SEALs of the Syrian army. He walks out to them. He says, hey, guys, I know who you're looking for, (laughs) and I can lead you to him. And so he taps into something that they're interested in. He taps into what's preoccupying them, what's consuming them, and he engages them in such a way that they do begin to listen to him, and they follow him. It's an amazing text of Scripture. And when you and I have the opportunity to talk to someone about Christ, to talk to them about life, to talk to them about their desires that are frustrated, to talk to them about how Christ can satisfy them at their deepest level in their heart, then we need to guide those who'll listen. We need to talk to those who'll hear us. We need to say, you know, sometime I'd like to talk to you about how God changed my life and how he can change yours. There's a third thing we can do. Pray for God to awaken them. Pray for God to awaken them. Verse 20. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And I tell you what, in that moment, they learned a really big lesson. I mean, here they were in Dothan. They've gone blind. Now God awakens them. They open their eyes and they're in Samaria. Now, obviously, they saw themselves in an indefensible situation. They saw themselves surrounded by the people they considered to be their enemies. They saw all of that. But let me tell you what else they saw. They saw that God, the God of Israel, could not be defeated. That God cannot be challenged and brought down. That I can rail against him, I can resist him, but I can't stop him. And the God of heaven is going to have his way. And they were awakened to the fact that what Elisha had been telling him, what they had heard about Israel, that this was the God who was the only God. The only true God. And whatever else happened for the rest of their lives, they knew there was a God in heaven, and it wasn't the God they had been following and the God they had been worshiping. There's a fourth thing that believers can do. Meet their meanness with mercy. Meet their meanness with mercy. Look what happens in verse 21. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elijah, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? I mean, it's almost comical. But he answered, you should not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So they got food instead of a fight. You know, so many times when people engage Christians, they expect a fight. Elisha blessed them. They got food instead of a fight. They were given a banquet instead of a beating. So what does God do when he gets someone? God, get them. What does God do when he gets someone? He gives them mercy. He gives them mercy. And you and I as the people of God should be a merciful people. And when we have the opportunity maybe to lower the hammer on someone who's been resisting, fighting, reviling God, when you and I have the opportunity to get them, whatever we do in that next moment is going to make the difference in eternity sometimes for those individuals And we can help be a part of the process of what God is doing in their lives if we would give them mercy instead of being mean right back at them. Give them mercy. Number five, 
Last thing I think believers can do in the workplace or in school, trust God to keep working in their lives. Sometimes you work and you talk to people and you invest in people and it doesn't seem like they've heard a thing that you've said and they walk away. How should you respond to that? Trust God. Look at verse 23. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders, these guys, came no more into the land of Israel. Now the army would come later, but these guys, they didn't come anymore. They were done. <laughs> they weren't going to do it anymore. They were finished. Now, Sometimes you will see the fruit of your labor. We talked last week about the principle of sowing and reaping. Sometimes you'll see it right away. Other times, things that you've sown, words you have said, actions you have done for people, the investments that you have made in a broken Syrian's life, no one's going to see, but someone sees it years later, and you may not be a part of that. But what can you do? Trust God. Whatever he leads you to do will never be wasted. Whatever he leads you to say will never be forgotten. And things that you have said may be remembered by that individual months and years later. Trust God to do a work in the lives of broken Syrians. Now, there's a second kind of person described in this passage. Uh, we, we see broken Syrians all around us. When you go into a classroom, there's lots of kids that don't know Christ. Uh, you go into school, there are plenty of teachers that don't know Christ. You go into a community... The majority of people don't know Christ. But there's another kind of person. Blind servants. Blind servants. Listen to verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do. He was panicked. Broken Syrians are people who don't know God. Blind servants are someone who knows God but is spiritually unaware. They are not sensitive to spiritual things. In many ways, they are not very different from the broken Syrians in the way that they're living. They fail to realize that the world that you and I see is dramatically affected by a world that we do not see. And so the blind servant is always going to struggle when they see the opposition that surrounds them. Always going to struggle. Always going to be afraid. Always going to be in a panic. Now, why is that? Well, first of all, blind servants are consumed with what the world is doing. They are consumed with what the world is doing. He said there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. That's what he sees. That's all he sees. And his mind is filled up with the problem. Now, we react to it in different ways. But the problem, no matter how we react to it, is the same. And that is that the blind servant, the Christian who is not being very spiritual, is always consumed with what they can see, what they can touch, what they can here, they're consumed only with their senses, and that is reality for them, is, is what they are encountering in their life, in the physical world, failing to understand that there's something beyond the natural world that is just as real, and if I'm going to know reality, I've got to know more than just the natural world. There's a supernatural world. 
And while we are focused on the numbers and behaviors of the enemy, we can easily fall into all kinds of mistakes and traps ourselves. I think one of the most common is this. I'm outnumbered. There's more of them than there are of us. And so if I don't want to incur their wrath, if I don't want to be criticized, if I don't want to be made fun of, if I don't want to be ridiculed, the best thing for me to do is blend in. Be just like them. Do what they do. Dress the way they dress. Listen to what they listen to. Don't be different. And they'll leave me alone. And they'll think I'm one of them. And so that's one of the reactions. And, and it'll hurt us. And we'll remain blind if we take that approach. So not only are they consumed with what the world is doing, but blind servants are also blind to what God is doing. Blind to what God is doing. He had no clue what God was up to. And the servant panics. He says, look, look, Elisha, we're surrounded by the enemy. That's all he can see. And, the, and, and it's, not, it's implied in the text, but, but where's God? I don't see God. He's abandoned me. He's not going to take care of me. All I see is the enemy. There's a third thing that the blind servant's going to do. He or she is going to be limited by what they are doing. Not only blind to what God's doing, but they're going to be limited by what they are doing. Listen to what he says. What shall we do? What shall we do? And immediately, because he's focused just on the natural world and on the enemy, he's equally focused on what resources he has to bring to the fight. And it's meager. It's little. It's puny. It's not enough. But that's where his heart is, isn't it? What shall we do? He never considers what God can do. Now, how should believers respond to believers who are blind servants. How should you respond? If, you, if you're able, because of your walk with God, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, your walk with God, your trust in God, to know that God is greater than anything you're going to encounter in this life. He's greater than anything you're encountering in this world. How do you respond to a believer who doesn't get that? Listen to Elijah, verse 16. So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And he got it. He saw the unseen. Now, we don't have time to do it this morning, but I know some of you all have, because I've seen some things you've said, uh, have been caught up in this Pokemon thing. Now, I'm not going to make anybody raise hands, okay? And I didn't bring my phone in with me. I usually don't bring my phone in the church because it distracts me. You have to think about that. But anyway, Pokemon, all right? So if in a Pokemon world, there are all these invisible creatures in here. Is that right? I mean, in the Pokemon world, there's an invisible world, and the only way you can see that invisible world is with what? What do you got to have to see this invisible world? These, these pocket monsters, what do you got to have? Your phone. I mean, you got to have your phone. You got to have a way to see it. And, uh, and so what's interesting to me about this craze is that you got all these people, many of them not Christians, chasing things that no one else can see. 
but it's really important to them to catch them. And unfortunately, we have a lot of Christians, and there's really stuff out there that can't be seen, and we're not trying to do anything in that realm. Just some irony. Elisha shows us how to minister to our own brothers and sisters when they're struggling with their faith. Number one, here's what you and I need to do with that dear brother or sister. Number one, challenge fear. Challenge fear. What are the first words out of Elisha's mouth? What does he say? Do not fear. Do not fear. Listen, when that brother or sister, they're kind of derailed, they're not living a spiritual life, they're not seeing what God can do in their life, they don't need your criticism. Many times they're afraid, they're, they're experiencing that brokenness firsthand, and uh, they're in panic mode. They may not show it, but they're hurting. And they don't need your criticism, they need your comfort. And Elisha says, do not fear. Listen, don't be afraid. When you go to school tomorrow, you see all those kids, you don't know their names, you don't know who they are, don't be afraid of them. Whether you're a teacher or a student, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's okay. God's got this. God knows who they are. And more importantly, God knows who you are. Don't be afraid. Challenge fear. Secondly, discover and share the truth. Discover and share the truth. He says in verse 16, For those who are with us are more than with them. We got a whole lot more on our side. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Over and over in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, I think it's something like 200 times, God is described as the Lord of hosts. That means the Lord of armies. Innumerable armies of angels. That is our God. And he is always with you. You are never outnumbered. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Discover and share the truth. Encourage each other with truth. What does the Bible say about your situation? What does the Bible say about the world that you can't see against the world that you do see? And then thirdly, with this dear brother or sister who's struggling, pray that God would open their eyes. Pray that God would open their eyes. Elijah says, open his eyes, Lord. Open his eyes that he may see. It's not enough to see the natural world. Through faith, there is a much greater world that you and I need to see and we need to know. Well, in every walk of life, there's three kinds of people. Broken Syrians, blind servants, and then number three, there are bold saints. Bold saints. The Syrian, the broken Syrian, someone who doesn't know God. The blind servant is someone who knows God but spiritually unaware. A bold saint is simply a man or woman who walks with God. Walks with God, knows their God. How can we be like Elisha? Well, there's two things. And this is uh, implied over the life of Elisha. If you go back and read the story of this man, he's getting up early in the morning and he looks out and, yeah, he sees the army, but he sees God. And the only way that's possible to be like Elijah is to have daily fellowship with God. Start your day by gazing on him. Start your day by gazing on his truth. Start your day by looking to him, bringing your day to him, 
bringing your problems to him, and see how mighty and wonderful and precious is your Father who loves you against all the things that you're facing. Over and over in this text, in this story of Elisha, he is called a man of God. And the emphasis is not on man. It's on God. He's a man of God. And that's the explanation for Elisha's life, this daily fellowship he has with him. And then secondly, to be like Elisha. Every time you read the story of Elisha, he's having an incredible impact on his world. And so we want to be a part of daily ministry on the battlefield. Everywhere Elisha went, he encountered these conflicts, these problems that were so big that only God could solve them. Everywhere he went. And because he had fellowship with God, he was able to enter into the battle. Tomorrow, you're not there just to teach or take tests. You're entering a spiritual battlefield. A battlefield. And God has called you to minister to the broken Syrians and to the servants, other believers who are struggling. God's called you to enter into that battlefield and to trust him. You have been sent. Well, the Israelites are amazed when Elisha blesses the broken Syrians, feeds them, gives them a banquet, and sends them home. The Israelites are amazed. The Assyrians are amazed. They've never seen anything like it. What this man of God does in this battle where they expected him to call fire down from heaven on them, and instead he blesses them. You and I should be living, breathing models of amazing grace to every person we see, every person we meet. I want to encourage you that um, as you leave today, that you continue to pray for these teachers and students who are entering into the battlefield. When we close the service, we're going to pull these expandable walls back out. And I want to encourage you, go up and grab one of those cards, pull that tack out. There'll be a little bucket to put that tack in. Please don't put the tacks on the seats. Put them in the bucket. Take one of those cards with you. Put it in your Bible Pray for these dear ones tomorrow and in coming weeks and months. But I want to finish with this question. Here's the bottom line. We talked about three kinds of people today. Here's the bottom line. Which are you? Which are you? Are you a broken Syrian? Are you a person in your heart of hearts like Tim who gave his testimony in that video we saw? And you know in your heart of hearts, I don't know God. I don't know him. I don't know Jesus Christ. I've never put my trust in him. And, um, and you know, sometimes as it happened to Tim, we can actually be sitting in church and realize I don't know God. I'm not following him. All I see is a natural world. I don't have any faith that there's anything else out there. And God's spoken to you and you're realizing today I need to trust him. I need to know him. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing, and there'll be pastors standing at the end of each aisle. We're here to help you to come to a place where you can know God through his son, Jesus Christ. He died for your sins on the cross so that you might live, so your sins can be forgiven, so you can have a new life. We'll help you. We'll pray with you. We'll answer your questions. We'll share scripture so that you can read it. You may be a, a servant of Jesus Christ, but you find yourself struggling with the world, you find yourself wanting to blend in so nobody will bother you. You find yourself deeply torn 
between two different extremes. You want to trust God, but you're afraid to trust God. You want to uh, minister in the world, but you're afraid to be different in the world. And you're caught in this terrible place, just like the servant of the man of God. And listen, I want to encourage you this morning when we stand and sing, would you take your stand today and would you choose sides? Would you just come to a place as a teacher or student and say, Father, whatever it takes, I want to be a bold saint. I want to be a man, I want to be a woman who trusts you with all my heart. And when I go to school tomorrow, I'm going to look for what you are doing. And not just see what the world is doing, I'm going to look for what you are doing. And I want to be a part of your ministry to broken people. As God has spoken to you, how will you respond? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you that you have a way forward for every person sitting here. That there's a next step. That even as a bold saint, we can open our hearts to your Holy Spirit in a whole new way and just say, Father, I want to be like Elisha. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. I want to be used by you to heal the hearts of broken Syrians. I want to be used by you, Lord, to open the eyes of my dear brothers and sisters who struggle and help set them free. Father, I pray for every person here that your Holy Spirit would guide us in these moments. And we want to be faithful to say yes to your leadership. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.